From the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge at the Scotiabank Saddledome, this hour of Flames Talk is underway. Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. My name is Pat Steinberg. We're available wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. It feels weird to be back in this building because on Thursday night, the Flames will play their first home game in three weeks. It was three weeks ago. If you go all the way back, where do I got to find it on this calendar? Thursday. January 26th, that 5-1 debacle of a loss to the Chicago Blackhawks the last time the Flames played in this building. And so Thursday, February 16th, which is uh, where we are now, is the next time the Flames play a game here on home ice. We're past the midway mark of February, and this is the first time they're playing in the calendar month of February. I, I kind of forgot until I opened the closet and saw how much dry cleaning I had finished today. Yeah. The options were a plenty. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad that you had uh, – I'm glad you had all those options. I'm finding that all my dress shirts – They've had a nice life, and they one by one are dying. Uh, every about once every three weeks, bam, another hole in the elbow. It's like, nope, I got to say goodbye to that one as well. So pretty soon, I'm going to need to make a bit of investment uh, in a couple new dress shirts. You Might know, be time. I I would love to feel sympathetic for you. The problem I have is after. A week and a half vacation in Hawaii. It feels like all my pants are just a right. little more, a little more trim fitting than I recall. No, they're just slim fit. Yeah, well, got, that's cool these days. Isn't very it? modern. It's a very modern fit. Good on you. You're, you're <laughs> keeping up with the trends. Um, as we get set for Game One of a three-game homestand between the Flames and the Detroit Red Wings, uh, feels like there's a decent chance Rasmus Anderson's going to return to the lineup after missing three in a row with that injury he sustained just over a week ago riding a scooter in Detroit. So uh, what's, what, what does our gut say? What does your gut say as to Rasmus's status for Thursday's game against the Red Wings? Well, here's what we know. Daryl Sutter told us this morning that Rasmus Anderson has been medically cleared. Yes. That essentially he just needs Rasmus Anderson to nod his head and say, yeah, coach, I'm ready to go. At the And then he's in. And so my gut is we see number four on the the Flames blue line tonight, although, you know, not a ton of hints, I don't think, from an optional morning skate. Rasmus Anderson didn't do the extended skate that you get if you're definitely out of the lineup. Not a surprise for a guy who is essentially a game-time decision. Dennis Gilbert skated a little bit late, but not enough to say for sure he's out. So I think this is a legitimate game-time decision. I'm sure we'll see Rasmus Anderson on the ice for pregame warm-up, but 
my gut is that yes, he's in the home lineup tonight. I I feel like I feel like the fact that uh, the Flames website put out a story on it as well about how it's his call tonight was the the wording. It just kind of feels like everything because you know the sometimes the 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 home website might know a little bit more than those who aren't feel. I just feel like there's a chance. I see that, what you're getting at. I uh, and and look, I mean, he was uh, he was one of the first six defensemen off the ice and or. Yeah, he was not every defenseman skated uh, at optional morning skate, but when you had you, you have the six that were off the ice, and Rasmus was one of them. So I would suggest that all signs point to him returning, but I still think there's a little bit of a, a game time decision that uh, hangs over it. And if it's medically cleared and it's up to him, kind of kind of depends on whether or not he's feeling up to getting back in there. And and if he does, would be a big time addition obviously, because there have been some stretches over these three games where you can tell that they've missed him. I think that definitely in the Red Wings game, they missed him just over a week ago in Detroit, and um, he definitely, you definitely can can tell when Rasmus isn't playing. Yeah, and we're talking about as fierce of a competitor, at least in my eyes, as they have on their roster. So if he is at a point with whatever injuries he sustained when he was struck by that vehicle uh, just over a week ago. If he's at the point where he's comfortable to to give it a go, I'm sure we're going to see him tonight. And that would be yeah, that would be a massive piece of news. That uh, feels like such a you know that word always feels like such hyperbole, but but this would be a massive addition or a massive return for the the Calgary Flames. You're absolutely right. They he, missed him. Here's uh, his normal D partner. Noah Hannafin talked a little bit about it after morning skate. And uh, again, not tip in the hand, but if Rasmus were to get back in the lineup this evening against the Red Wings. Yeah, I mean, if, if we got him back, that'd be huge. You know, obviously, he's, he's one of our best players and, and uh, you know, he plays a lot of minutes for us and, and, and you know, he's had a great year. So it's uh, someone you know, we've definitely missed and it'll be great whenever he is back in the lineup. It'll be great to have him back. What kind of difference maker is he? He mentioned a couple of his skills and attributes, but what kind of a difference maker? Yeah, he's you know he's real good offensively, but he also you know he's he's good at big times and big moments of the game, and you know he's had a few of those uh, you know kind of game changing plays throughout the year, and, and that's something you need on the team. And and like I said, I think just with the minutes he plays, and he's so good at two hundred feet, he's a smart player. He kind of brings that whole package, and and he's just super valuable to our team. There's no doubt he's uh, the closest thing they've got right now to a number one defenseman. So uh, we'll see if he's back in on Thursday against the Red Wings. So and, how, and let me yeah. just jump in really quick because I'll tell you what I think they missed the most in the three games we haven't seen him. And, and, you know, regular listeners have heard me say over and over in the couple of instances where Chris Tanev has been out of the lineup that he brings this sort of calming presence that, that they maybe don't have on the back end without him. In Rasmus Anderson's case, he he brings an attitude. And I don't yeah. say that in a negative way. And much the opposite. It's more fact. like a swagger. There's right? a swagger yeah. there. And I'm not saying that, you know, the the comeback by the Ottawa Senators wouldn't have happened if Rasmus Anderson was in the lineup. I'm I'm not necessarily saying that the the dud of a game in Detroit wouldn't have happened, but I do think that swagger and attitude that he brings 
just provides something that not a lot of guys can bring to this team. And I really do think that's something they've missed the most. So when we take a look, so so let's assume, and, and if it's not against Detroit, maybe it's Saturday against the Rangers, or then they've got the, the Monday family day game against Philadelphia coming up. But, you know, you've got, you've got probably on this homestand, whether it's against Detroit or not, and, and it looks like it's going to be against the Red Wings. But... Rasmus comes back in, and once again, you've got your full complement of defensemen. And I've just, I've just been thinking about, like, how do we, how do we feel about these D pairings, the way that things are set up right now? Because when everybody's healthy, it's Hannafin with Anderson, uh, Uyghur on his offside with Tanev on the right, and then we've seen for a good chunk of time Zadorov and Stone make up this team's third pairing. There's a lot out there about the Flames being interested in adding another defenseman, and a lot out there about that being kind of high on their their needs list going into the deadline, which is just over two weeks away. Like, are, are do we like these pairings? Are they ideal? Is is this what they were envisioning coming into the season? Well, I think this is what they were envisioning when they found out that Oliver Shillington wouldn't be available. Yeah, and and we know Oliver Shillington remains away from the team for personal reasons I don't think we have a lot of clarity on whether or not we might see him that's certainly the last we've heard from the Flames is that they continue to you know respect his privacy and and his need for time to to deal with what he's dealing with so yeah I do think that those are the pairs they they sort of had in mind when they came out of training camp now are they the ideal pairs I'm not sure I I I think very highly of Mackenzie Wieger's ability to play both sides. Right. There's not a lot of guys who can do it well at the highest level. And yet, from my vantage point, I think Mackenzie Wieger is a lot better on his natural side than he is on his offside. Yeah. And, and I think that becomes a positive if you are looking to upgrade your blue line because then you can get a guy who really fires from either side of the puck and, and have some options. You know, you you can leave Mackenzie Weger on his offside with Chris Tanev and look for a, a righty if you feel like you can upgrade Michael Stone's position as the sixth defenseman. But if you find a lefty out there, then suddenly you can slide Mackenzie Weger over to the right side, same side of the puck that Rasmus Anderson and Chris Tanev fire from, and, and really you know, balance out your defense pairs that way. So I think they're ideal for what they have right now. But I will say that when Mackenzie Weger is playing his natural side, I think... I think that's a stronger side for him. Well, and I do too. When you take a look at the analytics and and some of the underlying numbers, when Uyghur and Zadorov have played together this year, they've they've been analytically anyway Calgary's top pairing in terms of the way that they've moved play and some of the things that they've been able to generate and what they've been able to do out there. I've liked them together as a pair because I'm with you. I think Uyghur is stronger on his strong side. I think he just you know there's there's very few guys that are truly better on their offside. I can think of one guy, and that's former Flame T.J. Brody. One guy that is actually weaker playing on his natural side. 
Brody hated playing the right side and was far more. Uh, hold on, was Brody a right shot who played the left or a left shot that played the right? Left shot that played okay, the right. So he pl- hated playing the left side and loved playing the right side. Because um, that's right, he was on the uh, the right side of, of Mark Giordano. Um, Funny, if you go way back to his days in. I guess it would have been Abbotsford of yeah. the American Hockey League. Yeah. He did not want to play the right side. Credit to him when he got to the NHL and, and realized the sort of partners he might have and opportunity he might have. He turned himself into a shining example of a guy, to your point, who is actually better on his weak side. And, and you just don't hear about that very often. Well, and so much is true. So much of the conversation out there about, a, and, and when we're talking about blue liners, the Flames should go target, everybody talks about, well, they got to go get a right shot guy. they got to go get somebody to fill out the third pairing and, and maybe spell off Michael Stone, Luke Shen, Justin Braun. All, all the names that are thrown out there are usually on the right side. Now, I'm not even thinking about this just for this season, but maybe it's something come the off season. I just wonder if there's a way to go out and get somebody to play the left side with Chris Tanev and then have Uyghur on the right side with Zadorov. And now you've got three pairings that you can kind of use in any situation, and there's not really a huge gap from one to three, and maybe that guy is this off season just a return for Oliver Shillington and news that he'll be back with the team for next year. Maybe that's maybe that's the, the simple fix that for 23-20 you're you're looking again at Shillington playing with Tanev, and that allows you to go Zadorov with Uyghur. Right, and just just so this doesn't get misinterpreted or, or misconstrued, I don't think either of us are sitting here saying Mackenzie Uyghur can't be effective on his left side. You know, he is he is absolutely your best option in terms of sliding over. Agreed. We just both like him a little bit better on the right. And Daryl Sutter has said multiple times that he prefers yeah. McKenzie on that side. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm really, I'm really curious how that how that story plays out For when sure. it comes to all of the all of the different pairings they and, might be able to roll out next year. And I'm going to be really curious over the next two weeks and several hours as we approach the NHL trade deadline what decision they they ultimately make on their blue line. You know, I, I'm not sure what the options are. I, I'm not sure what might be out there in terms of, of who you could bring in, but I, I'd be wary, and, and people are going to think, here we go again. I keep talking about how I'd be wary of giving up a ton of assets. Yeah. I wouldn't pay a whole ton for a slight upgrade to my sixth defense. That's just me, but I, I'd be a little hesitant. Now, if you if you can get a really solid guy to perhaps put on the left and, and pair with Chris Tanev and, and you feel then with Uyghur and Zadorov together that you've got three pairs that you can really lean on, by all means. But, you know, I keep hearing the Luke Shen suggestion, and, and while I know Daryl Sutter has a ton of respect for Luke Shen, and, and while I see the appeal there, I wonder how much of an upgrade that would truly be for what it would cost you. It does make you wonder what they would have looked like had Oliver been good to go this year. And, oh, yeah. and that's not that's there, there's no criticism and and I, I I bristle I bristle quite a lot at some of the criticism that I've seen uh, out there and on the text line about, you know, how I I just 
I don't agree with any of the criticism that's being pointed at, at Oliver Shillington at all. So, you know, he's he's dealing with something and, and let him deal with something. And, and he's he's not doing anything wrong. Um, but you can be respectful of his privacy and yet, you know, not feel bad for thinking, geez, this hockey team misses him. Agreed if on that If you look front. straight at the hockey side. And, and I wonder what, like, would it have stayed Shillington Tanev, do you think, even with the Uyghur acquisition, if everything went according to the plan the Flames were thinking heading into the year? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think coming out of last season, you would be I, – I would be hesitant anyways to split up Oliver Shillington and Chris Tanev. And, and yet I kind of felt the same way about Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev the season before that, and, and Daryl Sutter saw something there with Rasmus Anderson – and that's really worked well for the Calgary Flames too. But, but yeah, I I think if you know if Oliver Shillington was was here, if he'd been here since the start of September, you'd be talking about a guy who had been playing primarily with Chris Tanev. And and knowing what we know now about how the chemistry has worked with Nikita Zor- Zadorov, sorry, Nikita Zadorov, and Mackenzie Weger, that and, and we talked about this in the fall. That that's a hell of a defense, isn't it? Yep. Yep. It would have been it would have been really interesting to see. Obviously, we we'd never know how it would go. Do we or or it's just all speculation because Oliver hasn't been with the group this year. But um, before we move on to a couple of other things, um, I did want to uh, point out that as we talked about off the top this hour about my dress shirts, I have just discovered that this dress shirt also qualifies <laughs> another another one. Look, I I have I have been running these for I take good care of them. They get uh, they, they they get the laundering, all that type of stuff. But eventually, dress shirts wear out their uh, not wear out their welcome. But it's time to retire them. So what uh, this bad boy's got to go as well. If uh, and maybe you right know. There. Stop me if this is too personal of a question, but uh, what are you doing with the elbows that is so hard on them? Well, I mean, th- I've had this shirt for probably a decade. And you so have sharp like, elbows? I might have sharp, sharp elbows. Maybe I don't. Maybe they're a little too uh, – they might be a little bit too, like, uh, what's the word? Abrasive. Yeah. I have some abrasive <laughs> elbows. <laughs> gotta Truculent. Go, got to use that. Got to use that moisturizer on the elbows, <laughs> I guess. Um, the moisturizer would be cheaper than the dress shirts. Somebody suggests it's a good point. Uh, one word for you, short sleeves. Uh, that's a good point. Good, uh, good Lou reference. And also, can you imagine, like, the Dwight Schrute look if somebody decided to bust that out to a game? <laughs> I would love it. Short, like, the, the short sleeve dress shirt with a tie. Right. If somebody needs logos, got short sleeves right now. You should... Wear a tie with that and show up like that. That's what I think should happen. Uh, Wedley says, um, those massive Pat Pythons tearing up shirts and hearts like the NSYNC song. Um, I don't think it has anything to do uh, <laughs> other than the fact that they're just old. Uh, this says, Pat, I blow through my dress shirts in the elbows too. Um, this says, Sharp elbows. Pat, you launder your clothes. Learn something new today. Thanks, Pat. Well, I la- the dress shirts I launder. I don't know how to iron. The, Are you kidding the me? The text line is fascinated by your uh, by your fashion issues. Uh, armrests in office chairs are killers to dress shirt and suit elbows. So that's also a good uh, piece of information. Yeah. Who irons? Like who who actually iron- has the time to iron? Yeah. Come on. Iron. And who can iron, who irons and does it well? I was just gonna say, like I you know I've been known on the road to bust out the iron, but. 
It I looks, finish and it looks worse. That's what I've been saying. Like I, I'll do it, and my mom has taught me, like, okay, you flatten out the seam here, so I'll do it. It'll come out looking worse than before. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I'll just let the professionals do it. Instead. Yeah. There's yeah. One, there's one right on my street. It's a quick hop, skip, and a jump. The she does wonderful work. Why not? Er, early on in my iron, <clears throat> in my ironing days, I, I completely ruined a dress shirt because the iron was set too hot. Not sure what setting it was on, but I, I've I've been a little gun shy ever since. Yeah, and it's I just am no good at it, so I've also been uh, gun shy on that. Um, we talked a lot about goaltending this week. It will indeed be Dan Vladar getting the start against Detroit. I don't think that's a surprise. I think I don't know if there was another way they honestly could have gone. Uh, I just. I, I would have been a stunner had they not gone to Vladar for this one. Who knows after this? But for this game, it felt like it had to be Dan. But do you do you sense the opportunity is there for him to get on a bit of a run? You know, even going back to what Daryl said on Wednesday after practice, and and just reading the tea leaves. Do you get the sense that maybe that that could be in the offing? That if he's able to put together a win or two, maybe he could get on a nice little run here. Yeah, I, I would. Uh... I would think if Dan Vladar has success tonight and if he can carry that through to Saturday, there is an opportunity for one guy to keep that net until that back-to-back -back in Arizona and, and Vegas coming up. So you've got three home games and then you've got a back-to-back -back scenario. After that, I, you know, we, we heard Daryl Sutter yesterday talk about that point after three or four starts where, where he starts to see some cracks in, in Dan Vladar's game. And, and yet... I got the sense he, he was also willing to give him a shot to, to sort of prove him wrong on that, to show that, that he continues to grow into the role of potentially a heavier workload at the NHL level. And so, yeah, with some success in these next couple of games, I, I could certainly see him running the homestand. Yep. Now, based on what happens tonight, y you could probably go a different direction. But if Dan Vladar has another strong outing, if, if the group looks good in front of him, yeah, I could see that for sure. We know it'll be Vladar against the Red Wings on Thursday night. Just wanted to to uh, wrap this section before we get to the roundtable this hour on Flames Talk. Just with with uh, a pretty sad loss in mm -hmm. the in the Flames family. I was I woke up to that on Thursday morning and saw Paul Gerard had passed away at the age of 57. Spent two years as an assistant here with the Flames uh, on Glenn Gulletson's staff between 2016 and 2018. And I you know I I, I got to I got to know Paul as as well as you can get to know uh, an assistant coach in this gig he'd be in here every third home game chatted with us for five or ten minutes and had some opportunities to get to know him a little bit away from away from the rink and uh quiet guy but i always appreciated his approach on the penalty kill and one of those guys in coaching circles whose penalty kill uh penalty kill ideas and some of the things that he has ushered in uh really really respected in that regard and always just a uh a, a really really nice human being and so uh to see to see that news passed away after a long battle with cancer at the age of 57 was was not expecting that on thursday morning so that's that's some really sad news today yeah awful news and uh thoughts go certainly to to his wife and to his children um i i didn't get to know paul a ton i always enjoyed chatting with him though in in a business that has a lot of sort of big, almost bombastic personalities. He he was very reserved, just sort of a, a quiet, 
but very insightful and absolutely a, a class act. I, I have nothing but great things to, to say about my my chit-chats over those couple of seasons with, with Paul Gerard. And, and you won't hear a person in this building say a bad word about him. He yep. he really was respected in the two seasons he was here. Um, you know, I, I know he'd stayed in touch with, with some of the staff here. And so um, absolutely bad awful news and, and your heart goes out to his family yeah it was uh and and he had a really uh had a really really dry sense of humor which he uh he got i you know what i'll i'll tell this story because it happened on the air um and it was like he he absolutely ran me over with it it was <laughs> and, and he came up to me afterwards and and said like you know i was just busting your balls right and and so he uh he so he it was the first season, I believe, first or second season, I don't remember which season it was, but and I don't remember the exact situation, but Paul came in here post-game on our Hot Stove Lounge post-game show, sat down here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge, put the headset on, and I was in the middle of telling Lou and Derek a stat, and it was a, it was a goaltending stat, and so I was, I'm like, hey, do you know the last Flames goaltender who accomplished this? And the answer was Fred Brathwaite. And I hadn't read out the um, the answer yet. And so I was going to ask, hey, do you have any idea who it was? Paul sat down right at the time when I was about to give the answer. I'm like, Paul, do you have a guess as to – I think it had something to do with back-to-back shutouts or something like that. And I go, Paul, do you have a guess as to who it was? He goes, uh, no, I, I don't know. And I go, Fred Brathwaite. He stone-cold deadpans me. He goes, What? You're, you're asking me because I'm the black guy in the room, and I go, I go, oh my goodness! And he does, he does it straight face, and then he cracks a smile, and and we go on with the interview afterwards. Came up, he's like, I hope you know, I'm just busting your balls. <laughs> I guess I know it was, but it was unbelievable. He uh, he ran me over, and and his his dry sense of humor is is the thing that I'll remember about him most. He. Uh, I, I was actually really stunned by that and uh, echo what you had to say there. Just thoughts and prayers to the family. It's a, a loss in the Flames family. Spent two years as an assistant coach, and, and honestly, you will not find a human being that has uh, something um, negative to say about the guy. He was truly just a, a, an awesome human being in every uh, run-in that I had with him. Yeah, and Chris Chris Snow shared something on Twitter this afternoon that I, I think you know tells you a lot about Paul Gerard and, and Paul had been quietly battling cancer and uh, according to this tweet from Chris he had reached out to someone in the Flames organization recently to to find out how Chris was doing it was actually I believe when when Chris Snow was in ICU and, and the way Chris put it is that I'm not looking at the tweet right now so I hope I, I don't mess this up but essentially it was all about Chris. It, you know, Paul just wanted to know how Chris was doing it. It yeah. had nothing to do with his own health. And, and so at a time that he was dealing with the health issues of his own, um, I know that meant a lot to Chris. And I think that that really tells you a lot about Paul Gerard. Maybe a, a name that Flames fans remember, uh, a person who they might not feel like they got to know a ton during his tenure, but Certainly someone who left their mark here at the Saddle Dome. Uh, passed away at the age of 57. So rest in peace to Paul Gerard and uh, thoughts and prayers to his family. Uh, a loss in the Flames family on this Thursday. Uh, that was really tough news to hear on Thursday morning. 
Okay, we're underway. It's uh, Wes Gilbertson and Pat Steinberg along with you as this hour of Flames Talk coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basementy. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time for a Thursday edition of the Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport. It's Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, around the table physically here at the Scotiabank Saddledome on our Daily Flames Roundtable. Uh, and, and Derek, Wes and I were talking about this. We only kind of just touched on it briefly, but we're talking about it a little earlier this hour. And, you know, we, we think Rasmus Anderson returns the lineup against the Red Wings. Hang on, hang on. I thought we were going to ask him if there's holes in the elbows on his dress shirt. Yeah, we, uh, we also were talking about that, how I'm on like a run of about once a week I find a dress shirt. They're all about 8 to 10 years old, and they're all starting to – they're all starting well, to give out on me. I've, uh, I've treated them very well. They get laundered. They get, they're very well treated, but eventually they give out. You know? they, they have no chance against those 24-inch pythons. <laughs> Do you have any problems, no, Wilson? Another one. With wow. the elbows or no? You just put a little duct tape on there, Pat. You'd be good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be solid. Well, hockey tape on that one. It's yeah. white. It would kind of blend right in. No, this will just get tossed in the trash on the way. There's that, nothing you can do. It's, that one's getting worse as the show goes on. Well, it's... The, it's <laughs> There's no, I can am I, guarantee Am I okay? My elbow's okay? Yeah, no, you're solid there. There's no yeah. yellow stains on these bad boys as well. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we were, uh, Wes and I were talking about this a little. We also were talking about the, the elbow issue. But we were talking about the blue line. Rasmus Anderson looks like he'll come back against the Red Wings on Thursday night. And that puts the pairings, in, and if he does come back, would put the pairings back to where they are. Maybe he comes back on Saturday, whatever. He's close to a return. I've really liked Mackenzie Weger on the right side, and and I really think that he thrives on the right side and is maybe more comfortable on the right side. I just is there a way, and maybe not this season, but more long term, is there a way that we could be talking about Weger being a, a full time right side defender on this team? Right now, I don't see it, but. Things could change uh, before the game starts tonight or before March 3rd or before the start of next season. But right now, I, I don't see a way to make that happen if everybody's healthy and knock on wood. Hopefully, Rasmus does return tonight after missing three games, after getting a, hit by a car while riding a scooter across a crosswalk in Detroit uh, before last week's game against the Red Wings. But as far as McKenzie's concerned, uh, to be honest, guys, I don't think that there's been a big change in his game 
whether he plays on the left side or the right side. I had a really good chat with him before Monday's game against the Senators and, and asked him about that. What changes for you going from the left side to the right side or, or vice versa? And he said, it's a little bit easier to hold pucks in on the walls when you're on your strong side. But, you know, having talked to TJ Brody about that in the past, he told me that he preferred playing on his offside, preferred playing on the right side, and did that for a long time at a pairing with Mark Giordano here because he could see the ice better. So there's that, but I do think as a defenseman and when one of your big jobs is to hold pucks in at the blue line, it it is easier to do that in your forehand than on your backhand. But I think he's been good on both sides. I think he's getting better as the season goes along here, as he becomes uh, more comfortable and hopefully more confident playing uh, a new system and a new style for a new team and, and with a new partner. And I think he's looked good on both sides. I don't think there's been a big difference for me. I'm certainly partial to him on, on the right, um, but but I agree with what you said in the sense that I think I, I definitely know that he's comfortable and, and capable on either side. And I do yeah. think we've started to see more comfort level from Mackenzie Weger as the as the season has worn on. I you know, you'd love to get rid of the occasional pizza. There's been uh there's been a few ghastly turnovers that we've seen from him, but on a night-to-night basis, I, I think he's he's brought a fairly solid, reliable presence on the on the Flames blue line. Now, is there a possibility that he could be, you know, better suited full time on the right? I I think so. I remember going back a couple months or or probably three months now, Daryl Sutter comparing it to second base and and shortstop. He thinks it's that sort of different the way you you see the game and and I think it's a huge asset that Mackenzie Weger is one of those guys who can play second or short but I just like him better on the right. I uh I really like he has not been bad on the left side with Tanev. I just he's a little bit more assertive. I think offensively there's a little bit more when he's playing on his strong side uh, as opposed to his weak side. And even take a look at some of the metrics compared to when he's been on the right as to the left. He just it it the team has done more with him out there on the right side. And I the the pairing with him and Zadorov is the thing that I I've I've really liked those two guys together. And it just has me thinking. Everybody everybody's talking about Luke Shen or another right side defender to maybe shore things up before the end of the season. And I get that, but maybe more long term and maybe it's as simple as Oliver Shillington being ready to go for next season. But I, I just wonder if there's a way that you could keep Zadorov and Uyghur as a pairing and find somebody to play with Tanev and now all of a sudden you've got three really well-balanced pairings and Uyghur playing on the right. I, I, I've, I don't dislike him on Tanev's left. I just wonder, I know Daryl Sutter said it a few times that they prefer him on the right, but there's not, as of right now to your point, there's not really a natural way to do that. I just wonder bigger picture, even projecting to October and next season, if there's a way they could find it. Yeah, and I think for some players, more so wingers than defensemen, there is an advantage to playing on your offside if you shoot the puck a lot because it gives you a better shooting angle. But he scored one goal this season. That's not his job to score goals 
whatever he gets as far as goals and, and to a lesser extent points go. I think that's a bonus for the Flames. But you bring up an interesting point, Patton. I think we're all wondering about Oliver Shillington. Will he be back this season? And we should know in the next couple of weeks uh, as we approach the trade deadline. But if you bring in another left side guy, then that gives you a little bit more flexibility. So we'll have to wait and see what happens, whether it's him coming back or them potentially adding a depth defenseman. But, you know, Daryl has said plenty of times in the past that he prefers lefties on the left and righties on the right when it comes to defensemen. So if there was a way to make that happen, then uh, I think they would look at it. But for me, I think he's done a good job playing on his offside, not only with the Flames, but did it with the Panthers as well for a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. When I say I like him better on the right, that that is not taken away from the fact that very few guys can slide from the right to the left and, and be as efficient as he can. But I think, and, and not to look too far into the, into the future, but you've got a 33-year-old Chris Tanev, contract up after next season I'm, I'm sure the calgary flames would love to keep him around that's a conversation for another day but i think as you project mckenzie Weger's eight-year extension my best guess is the flames envision him spending most of that on his right side yeah interesting uh and and i don't think it's a short-term thing because i think when everybody's healthy it is still best to have Weger on the left with tanev but just more long term, I wonder if there's a way they could make that work. Uh, Daily Flames Roundtable, Derek Wills, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg with you at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Guys, Tyler Toffoli rolling right now. He's been hot of late with uh, multi-point performance Monday in Ottawa. He moved into a tie for the team lead in scoring. He's got 48 points in 54 games this year. I just, you take a look at the way this game has gone. We're a little bit more than 65% of the way through the season. I just wonder, how strongly can you make the argument that Toffoli's been, whether you want to say MVP or their most consistent player or their most reliable player, so how, how strongly can you make some of these arguments right now? I think you can make a very strong case that he's been their most consistent forward and arguably their most consistent player. I think you can make a case that he's been their most valuable player, in large part because of that consistency. Uh, generally, for me, uh, MVP is more about a goaltender or a top-four defenseman or a centerman just because of the responsibilities that they have. But you know, Tyler Toffoli is having a career year, which is pretty impressive for a guy who's 30 years old and playing in his first full season with the Flames. And I do think that his familiarity with Daryl Sutter helps He's played for him before. He's won a Stanley Cup with him. I also think it helps that he's playing on a line with Elias Lindholm, who tends to elevate his wingers. Uh, and ever since Dylan Dubé was put on that line, I think his centerman and the right winger have been better. I think Dubé's pace and grit has helped those two guys. But yeah, it's been a great year for Toffoli. He leads the team with 22 goals. He's got five in his last five games. Uh, tied with Elias Lindholm for the team lead in points. And uh, right now, he is on pace for a career-high 33 goals and 72 points. I'm not sure anybody saw that coming, especially all of the people who for weeks and months at the start of the season complained about Tyler Toffoli playing on the right side of a line with Elias Lindholm. You could argue he's been their best forward this season, and the numbers would back that up. I'm glad you brought that up because I'd almost forgotten about it. It's been but, a while now. But it's, it's died off. But Tyler Toffoli was a, a major question mark coming into this season, whether he could fill a, a top line, maybe not a question mark, but uh, myself and, and I think many others wondered whether he should be a top liner. And he's certainly shown in the 
past handful of months that that he is absolutely up to that task. It, as it turns out, they had more trouble finding a top line left winger. Yeah. Which Who to find? Yeah, that yeah. W- certainly wasn't what we we're anticipating. I, I'm going to put you guys both on the spot here because I, I love the question about whether he has a case for team MVP. For me, Rasmus Anderson is the Flames MVP this season, but I would put Tyler Toffoli as the runner-up, and I'd be curious who you guys would have in your one and two. It's it's those two. Lindholm would probably be part of the conversation. Um, I think Backlund would be would be in that. He's had a he's had a really good year, and I see somebody over there in the room who is uh, giving me a little wink because of I course to, I'd go there. I have to consider Chris Tanev. Okay, and I know he's not a big star like some of the other guys we're talking about. You look at the team's record with and without him, not only this season but last. Not great. You, th- you talk about most yeah. valuable player. There's a case to be made there, too. I just look at Toffoli. He's been a mainstay on the power play. He gives them important penalty kill minutes. He's been their third most productive in terms of what he does with his ice time at five on five. Only Lindholm and Dubé have been more productive in their points rates at five on five than Toffoli has. All three of those guys are on the same line right now. I just I I give Tyler a ton of credit because, you know, it did not go so well down the stretch for him last year. The production dropped off that drop-off in production carried over into the postseason where I don't know if, you know, the, the, they were counting on some big goals, big points from a guy who's gone deep before, maybe didn't go that way. But you give that guy a full training camp with a new team and he gets elevated into a true top six role where he kind of straddled a top six, middle six role last year. He was kind of like he wasn't perfectly slotted last year. This year, he's got a very clear role as this team's number one natural right winger. I give him a lot of credit. And, yeah, I, I would probably have Anderson Toffoli in some form or another one, two, and, and Backlund would probably be my three this year. Uh, but it's it's tough not to consider Toffoli. I think you can make a, a really strong argument there. Yeah, and for a team that doesn't score easily, he's probably their best pure goal scorer. And, and that's become really evident to me of late, guys. Uh, he reached the 20-goal plateau for the sixth time in his career on that last road trip. And just watching him shoot the puck, uh, I'm thinking about that goal that he scored against the Senators on Monday where he came in up the left wing side, held it, held it, wait for the screen to set up, and then just fire it right into the top corner. Not a lot of Flames have scored a lot of goals like that this season, and that's why I think if they're going to add someone between now and March 3rd, you want to bring in a Tyler Toffoli type, and it's ironic that he was their big acquisition before the trade deadline last season, but a guy who can score with relative ease. And he's been uh, a ton of fun to watch this season. He is one of only a handful of Flames players, in my opinion, that has performed to their potential and in his case maybe above the potential that we thought he had because as I pointed out earlier he's having a career year offensively for a team that on a lot of nights has had a tough time scoring goals so he's been really good and going back to the offseason when the Flames lost Matthew Kachuk and that of course came after they lost Johnny Gaudreau you're thinking okay how are they going to replace Gaudreau on the left and Kachuk on the right of a line with Lindholm well, then they bring in Huberto, and he looks like, on paper, the natural fit to take Gaudreau's spot as first-line left winger. And I thought Toffoli was the natural fit to, to f- get the first opportunity, at least, to take over for Kachuk because I see a lot of similarities in their game. 
Neither guy is a great skater, but they get to where they need to go because they have a high hockey IQ. Uh, both guys, when they're engaged, are, are good defensively and away from the puck, and they can both score. They do it differently. Kachuk scores more of his goals from in tight and Toffoli more from the perimeter with that great shot of his, but he's been a great fit. And, Pat, I think it's a great question. If he hasn't been the most valuable player on this team, then I think he has certainly been the most consistent forward, if not the most consistent player, period. Yep. Yeah, the one thing I would add, and it, it speaks to his consistency, is just how many games have you thought to yourself afterwards, geez, Tyler Toffoli was rotten tonight? Not many. Not many, right? And and in a season that has been marked or defined from my vantage point by inconsistency, that's, that's a big compliment to Tyler Toffoli. He yeah. just hasn't had many nights. Even the nights that he maybe doesn't put put a number on the score sheet he's certainly not hurting them he hasn't had a lot of nights where he just didn't look like himself and and he's been such an important and reliable piece for the flames for that reason yep uh he's Derek wills he's wes gilbertson my name is pat steinberg that's your daily flames roundtable on a thursday brought to you by mercedes-benz country hills upgrade your current mercedes-benz to a 2022 model with a two percent additional reduction drive over to mercedes-benz country hills minutes from the calgary airport uh, I, I give the guy a ton of credit it's been a, a fun year for Tofoli, and he's now tied for the team lead in scoring with 48 points in 54 games he leads them with 22 goals on the season. Uh, we've learned a lot this hour. We learned a lot about um, uh, I launder shirts, I don't know how to iron, and I'm blowing through the elbows of my dress shirts. We've learned a lot this hour. Plus, yeah, that, that was a lot. I think there were. I think there were some really. I think there's some really important things that we learned in this hour of Flames talk. I will be heading home after the game tonight to personally check the elbows on all my dress shirts. As you should. Now I'm worried. It's important. And. Yeah, all all the different areas on your on your dress clothes. I want to make sure that everything's okay. Yeah. Um, it's time to uh, wrap things up on uh, this hour of Flames Talk with your Flames Talk best bets. They're brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly. We went two and one on Wednesday. The goal was to get above 500. We went. Uh, we were just uh, treading water for the first two days of the week. So I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's go with three best bets on Wednesday. We hit two of them. Just barely missed the third. You did call it though. You were feeling hesitant and leery on my Austin Matthews shot prop bet uh, over three and a half. He did end up with three, but did not go over three and a half. You know, Pat, I'm going to tell you, I, I looked at my phone a lot this afternoon. I expected you'd probably want to run today's best bets by me. You know, I, I think I, I'm, I proved something to the listeners, yeah. certainly to you yesterday. Two and one is nothing to shake a stick at. And, and yet, if you'd been more open to my advice... Could have gotten another been three on all. Three and all, right? I could have. No, I, I just I'm not. I, I'm not bragging. Does it sound like I'm bragging? I could have gone with Nylander or something like that instead. But yeah. yeah, how about that Blackhawks defense off the opening <laughs> face-off <laughs> last <start>. night? <laughs> Picture perfect. Uh, anyway. That was that was Mighty Ducks stuff, like the movie Mighty Ducks. That that's how bad that beginning of the game was. Dis despite your decision to ignore my great advice yesterday, I, I have full faith in you 
to run the table tonight. Well, I've got two for you on your Thursday action. Uh, I've got one for the Flames and Red Wings. Uh, I'm liking Nazem Kadri to go over half a point, and the reason why uh, Daryl challenged that group, it was actually you who asked him the question on Thursday morning after morning skate about how you know the line combos have been pretty set here for the last little bit, and really the only answer he gave is, yeah, we'd like more production from the Kadri line. So... Challenged by the coach, if he's going to say that uh, in public, I would imagine that there's been some sort of message delivered similarly behind closed doors. I would so say that's a good bet. Too. I, I think that's also <laughs> probably a good bet. So I'm going to go Kadri uh, to respond. So I'm like Nazem Kadri over half a point against the Red Wings. And I also like Nick Ehlers of the Winnipeg Jets over three and a half shots versus Columbus. So those are my uh, two for Thursday. Over half a point for Kadri and over three and a half shots for Nick Ehlers, do you are you you're feeling okay about those? Yeah, I love it. I uh, you know I've liked started to like the look of the new power play units, so that that even further bolsters my confidence in in Kadri to have a point tonight. And yeah, don't love that Blue Jackets defense. Nope, I sure don't. Uh, nobody bleeds shots in the NHL more than Columbus, other than the Anaheim Ducks. And uh, if you want to target teams, those are the two to target. Uh, those are your Flames Talk best bets to wrap up the hour. Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter, at Wes Gilbertson. Of course, our producers, Taylor and Cam, and our Flames Talk best bets are brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly.